What is the optimal way to construct your roster in fantasy best balls, BB10s, and NFPC DCs? What are the signs your fan track's best ball team is DOA? How valuable are dual eligible players in NFPC best ball games, and does this value increase as you get later in the draft? What do you target in the first five rounds of a draft and hold? Who are some of your late round targets, and what is the splut approach? Who are your most owned players, and who are you fading? And how do you calculate replacement value in, in a best ball format? And do you use absolute replacement value or relative replacement value? We are going to answer all of those questions and more with host of the Fantasy Best Ball exclusive, Brian Seymour. I am pumped to be collaborating with Rotoballer for the 2021 baseball season. My Draft Champions podcast will be joining the Rotoballer radio podcast network. For a while now, Rotoballer has been grinding away, providing millions of fantasy baseball fanatics their fix for in-depth MLB analysis, tools, and player news. The site and the team is bigger and better than ever, with articles, tools, and podcasts for everyone, including contributions from me. If you haven't heard... Rotoballer's 2021 MLB Draft Kit is live, and all Draft Champions listeners can get 10% off Rotoballer's Draft Kit by using the discount code CHAMPIONS. Rotoballer is home to number one fantasy pros, accuracy rankers, Nick Mariano and Ariel Cohen. Both Nick and Ariel's 2021 rankings and projections are available as part of Rotoballer Premium Draft Kit. Along with printable cheat sheets, our top draft sleepers, more than 300 player outlooks, and tons of great draft tools and in-season tools. All of this premium fantasy baseball goodness from Rotoballer is available for 10% off with the discount code CHAMPIONS. Just go to rotoballer.com backslash radio, get your premium pass today, and win big in 2021. Welcome to the Draft Champions Podcast. I am here with best ball extraordinaire, Brian Seymour, at Fantasy Best Ball one with 1L. How you doing? That is right. How's it? How are you doing, Zach? I'm happy to be here. Happy to be on the uh, the Draft Champions podcast, doing a little bit of a uh, pod swap with you this week. Right? Yeah, it's a it's a home and home. It's a home and home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Getaway day today. Today, recording this on a Friday, so digging uh, it. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. I, in a lot of ways, I feel like I'm kind of the. Uh, now I came along a lot after your podcast, but kind of a. Uh, in a weird way, I guess, in a way, a sister podcast, since the formats of best ball and, and draft and holder are uh, a little similar. 
you know, no yeah, there's, there's no, there's no waiver wires and, and both of our podcasts are very specific in terms of what they, what they wanted to address. And I think we both yeah. have done that, but we were, we're also trying to branch. We're, we're both branching out and we're, we're evolving as, as our podcasts um, grow over time. So I think mm-hmm. uh, your, your podcast is one that's in my rotation. I listen to every episode of it and I, and I think you're doing an amazing job. So I'll give you credit there. And um, likewise, yeah, I I think the same about yours. I mean, uh, the cool thing, you know, I kind of think of like you, me, Rob DiPietro, and I'm not, I'm not trying to purposely leave anybody out because there's, I love SP Streamer. There's so many good indie podcasts now, but I think like the triumvirate of us three, and that's what I'm thinking of right now. Oh, also, uh, Big John L, of course, too, pulling some really cool guests, I think, that are like really, you know, in tune with the industry and we get some really good information out of them. So, yeah, I love. Yeah, when like a two-hour episode of your podcast pops up or Rob's <laughs> or whatever, I'm just like, oh man, I'm I'm pumped to dig into this, you know. So yeah, you're saying it's sort of like the the Joe Rogan experience where they just the, the podcast, like mm-hmm. the at least the last one that I did with Mike the Mouth, maybe didn't yeah, have a yes. it, that one didn't have a, a a ton of fantasy relevant content, but it's um I find it fun. I find it fun to talk to Mike. Now, when you start talking about like DMT and monkeys and. uh Stuff like that, we'll know you've gone full Joe Rogan on us. <laughs> well, we almost we almost started, uh, we started talking about Dungeons and Dragons, so we. I heard that. I we're heard basically that. almost there. It's getting yeah. It's getting scary. Um, yeah. So um, let's get in. Let's get into the the fantasy talk because this podcast, as as I said, was a draft. Talked about, we first we started talking about the draft and hold format, and then we branched off into other high stakes formats. But now the NFBC has really. Um, has really um, gone and um, branched into the best ball format. They have a new format uh, with a 46 round draft, which is a $150 buy-in. It starts at 150 and it goes up from there. Um, they also have a, a 50-50, which is a $100 buy-in, which I've, and, I've, and I've done both of those um, formats. And they also have a, a BB, they have, they have the BB10, which I think is a legacy format that they've had for many years that you, that you are experienced in. Um, mm-hmm. So tell me, tell me about um, what sort of leagues you're, what what sort of leagues you're um, doing this year um, in terms of how many um, in those NFBC formats and fan tracks? Yeah, so um, I will say straight up, I have not done any of the newer NFBC specific formatted uh, best balls. I know my buddy Derek Rhodes has gotten into them a lot this year, and it's not for any kind of hesitant. Like, I don't think it's a, a bad product, of course. I, I want to do it, but this is kind of like the inaugural season for those. And the funny thing about best ball is depending upon like the format and stuff like that, um, you don't, because it is best ball and there's like multi-position eligibility involved. Sometimes it's not as easy as just like drafting the best player and stuff like that, like a fan tracks might be. So I'm kind of letting that play out this year. Um, I know Derek's involved with them. Phil Dusseau, Casey Shaw has been in them. So I kind of want to let a season of that kind of go by so we can maybe have some data. Let them be the guinea pigs. Like, I don't need to hop into it right away. I'm going to see kind of what it takes to win those. And I will get into them next year. Um, but you're right. Yeah, BB10s and fan tracks I've been involved with since <laughs> the World Series. I mean, I've been doing it the entire offseason. So that's pretty much where I'm at. We're to the point now where, I mean, we've got, what, two weeks until they probably start closing down slow drafts for the season. So I'm stressed out, to be honest. I mean, I'm at uh, probably 135 drafts so far. 
for the season. And, you know, early on, I was just doing kind of like the, the 10 bucks entries and stuff like that. But now I, I cut all those back. Now we have a high enough volume of players where I'm doing all, you know, 25s, 50s, 150s and stuff like that. So now it's like kind of crunch time. So like the, the it's still high volume, but higher stakes as well at this point. So yeah, lots of BB10s, lots of fan tracks for me. Oh, I think you're muted. I can't hear you unless there's something on my end. Oh, sorry. Can you hear me now? There we go. <laughs> yeah, I got you. Yeah, I must have. I'm not. I'm not used to having a microphone. I don't know if you've noticed, but um, now I have, <laughs> now I have a microphone. So I think the audio. I quality, see the mic. The audio yeah. quality should be better um, now. Yes. I've, I've I've released one episode already, and I've um, haven't had any, I've been, I haven't had any negative feedback on the microphone. So I think we're it's it's definitely a step in the right direction for this podcast. Sounds good to um, me. So before we get before we get further into it, what, what I wanted to I wanted to ask you what's, what what influenced you to, to start your podcast because we talked a little bit about it and, and sort of the background, but what what was who were the influences um, on on for you to get started and also what did you feel what did you feel was missing because I've talked about what, what I felt was missing and why I started my podcast, but what do you, what did you feel was missing from from for from for in terms of fantasy information? Well, for me specifically. Um... I had already kind of like the the studio equipment and the microphone stuff to do some other things I was doing on the side. And it made me, I, I'll have, um, as some people might be able to tell, I, I don't, I didn't just like start doing this out of nowhere and sounded like kind of skilled on a microphone. I have a radio history. So I was literally a little kid. I was six years old when I had my dad like buy me a recorder and I was sitting on like the living room floor watching like the Superstation TBS Braves games, like calling games along <laughs> while I watched them. So like I, I did have a history in that. So I, I started doing like microphone and editing work again. And I'm like, man, I forgot how much I absolutely love doing this. And I have always been into best ball. Like that's been my preferred format the last few years. And I, I just realized like, in terms of baseball and really even football, nobody seems to be talking about it too much out there. So, you know, basically a couple of uh, scarce commodities that I just kind of put together. And I did reach out to you. I reached out to a handful of people just to, I wanted to make sure that it seemed like that there would be an audience for this number one, which luckily I found out there is, but also number two, that a, a, a perceived nobody, which was me at the time. Now I have a, 1200 followers believe it or not so i'm huge um but you know seriously though like you probably felt this too i imagine at first like who am i to message ariel cohen or todd zola or whoever and i'm not trying to say these are like movie stars but still they don't really know me yet like there's not much of a rapport they don't know who i am so that's why i kind of want to get like some episodes out under my belt and then it's like oh okay this guy's kind of he knows what he's doing the show sounds okay or whatever to try to build some credibility but yeah that was intimidating and that's why i did message people like you because and i do appreciate you know your feedback helping me to to get me started and confirming that it was a good direction to go because yeah you don't know like when you're just a nobody you're like are people even going to come on my show does it even make sense so yeah um that's pretty much where the idea came from and it was really just uh you taught you asked about like the the what was maybe missing that i felt like i would be able to add and it's funny i just had this conversation with michael Simeone and doug jacala the other night like if i didn't feel like i was adding something of any kind of concrete value then i wouldn't even do this because i i hate just the bs nature of like content creators and you know just putting stuff out there i don't really have anything to say i just my brand i, I can't stand that kind of thing so um i felt like i had a, a little bit of a niche and something to add 
And something that we talk about on the podcast a lot is not just best ball, but putting yourself in like advantaged places to play, you know, paying like lower juices, lower rakes on different sites and stuff like that. And I think that's something that isn't talked a lot about in the fantasy industry. That's more of like a betting philosophy. So I think like kind of that investment angle I'm bringing into the, the community a little bit as well. So I hope, I hope that's what is being done with the podcast. So. Right. Have you heard of um, uh, underdog underdog? It's uh, like, I think it's, yes, I've been, I, I got, I was um, somebody approached me um, from there the other day and um, mm. I, I had to look into it and see what it was all about. And I'm, I'm curious though. Have you played it at all? I haven't played it at all, but it's funny that you bring it up because Derek and I uh, spoiler alert for an episode coming up. I won't air till March 15th, but Derek and I are recording on that exact topic this coming week. Um, so we're going to kind of do a deep dive into underdog. Now, the reason that this is kind of just out and about now and people are talking about it is because they just released this baseball contest like a week or two ago. Um, they have an overall prize contest called the dinger and then a smaller, cheaper one called the bunt. So you can kind of uh, give it their do it there, but also just like individual leagues, from what I can tell, it's a very shallow format. It's a much more like kind of, you know, casual app friendly type of thing. It's no, it is not fan tracks or anything like that. Um, but there still may be something to be gained from playing it. So I don't want to give anything away here. And frankly, I've only tiptoed into kind of researching it. Um, but thank you for kind of accidentally proactively bringing up a, a plug there. We will have a full episode on it here in a couple of weeks, but that's interesting. You said somebody actually from underdog contacted you. Yeah, they did. And, um, I'm not, I'm not, I'll, I'll, I'll get it. I'll get into it a little bit more with you now, perhaps, um, off, off air, but, um, sure. I had to look yeah. into it and, and, um, just, I was, I was contacted to be, to, to become involved with it. Um, and, um, sort of the same time I was contacted to be involved with, I was speaking with Rotoballer, um, to become, and oh, now, yeah. now we're part of the Rotoballer network. So sort of around and that congrats. same time. Thank you. It was sort of, yeah, congrats uh, on that. Sort of an ongoing conversation I was having, um, with them, with Alex from the, from there, um, over the months and, and, and it felt like it was the right time for both of us now. Um, so that was good, but I also was talking to someone from underdog as well. And I, and I still have to, um, do my due diligence, but, um, the, the one thing that one of my concerns is if, if I'm going to be starting to play underdog, that the format's completely different. I'm just, I'm just, um, cognizant that a lot of the, um, the usual suspects, I'll call them like you, Derek, and I, mm-hmm. I don't know, whoever else plays a lot of these best ball format of uh, best ball, um, leagues. I don't know. I, I just sense a, a reluctancy for like you guys because like i i don't correct me if i'm wrong you guys are very much creatures of habit um with these best ball formats so i i I think even myself like i know the amount of work that goes into um your like projections to well not so much projections but just like your model for how you draft that it would just be a lot of it, it might be the marginal benefit might be negative to to do all that work and and go into a different format I think your assessment is dead on. You're right. Like I've had a hesitancy to like, you know, especially this late into the off season, I'm telling you, I'm not trying to start anything new right now. I mean, there, there is no way I've got, I'm juggling too much as is frankly, I I, I'm sick of drafting. Like I want the season to be here. (laughs) Um, But yeah, you're right. And and you, you you know, you're a veteran to this. I mean, like you just doing a a pretty high volume of DCs pins on the NFBC, you know, that like, if you start doing points leagues and mixing them with five by five and you've got your player shares and this format and that format and stuff, 
man, it messes your brain up when you're, I said this the other day, talking to somebody like when you're in a draft room for a five by five versus a best ball, you better make sure that you've got your roto brain or your points brain on because you know, you're going to really, really could easily make mistakes. So yeah, you don't want to get overwhelmed with too many formats at once. And that that's kind of how I feel. Um, I am excited though, for the season to start. So maybe we can start making some assessments on, okay, what should next year look like? What formats do I want to get involved with like from the get go? And I really want to keep it at only a couple, just like I did this season, because yeah, you're right. The, I guess I'll call them like administrative tasks of keeping your player shares and all that becomes crazy, especially when you're introducing like other formats like that. So yeah, good right. call. So you track, do you track your player shares like on a spreadsheet for fan tracks? Because I know the NFBC will track it. They have, they have a player page that tracks it automatically. They do. Yeah. We've discussed that before. And that, that page is freaking awesome. Um, I, although I love having that, I still just manually, I have one spreadsheet that's fan tracks and the BB tens and NFC stuff combined. So I have them all in one Google sheet basically. And I'll, I'll just update it manually. Um, I just like to know my overall percentages and I, I don't like to have to like go in two places for it, but it, it, it yeah, certainly like having that for the BB tens just right there on the website is great though. I love having that tool. Right. I guess while, while we're on the topic, um, in terms mm-hmm. of um, percentage ownership, in term, uh, what, talking about diversification, um, you asked me this, I'll ask you this. Um, and I, I, we, we did talk about it briefly, but I wanted to get a, an answer for you on this podcast. What's your, com- what's your comfort level in terms of di- diversification? Same thing you asked me in terms of pitchers, hitters, um, early, early, early guys, late guys. Yeah. So I, I've made a concerted effort this year to, um, you know, I really, ha- I really made an effort to not be a slave to like projections and dollar values this year. Last year, I was just very, very stubborn about just like, hey, it says to take this guy here and uh, I'm not wavering. And you know what that leads to? It leads to like 70 some percent ownership of certain players, which is like, which, you know, frankly, if it's like a 31st round pick, who cares? But um, I don't really want that. I, I-, I kind of want to cap myself at about 50% for any given player. And certainly nowhere more than say, I've kind of limited myself to maybe 20 to 25% for those first three rounds or so. So, um, you know, as much as I do love like Shane Bieber in the first round of these fan tracks drafts the most, I've purposely taken Garrett Cole. And I know what I'm saying is blasphemy to most of the fantasy community. I know everybody else is the complete opposite of me and DeGrom and Cole over Bieber. But, um, you know, I want to make sure I don't want to get too high up there with Bieber, although I think he's. I think he's going to be probably the best pitcher in baseball this year. Again, um, I don't want to be, obviously, you don't want to be that overweighted. Just like when, I, when I'm going hitter, I love Juan Soto in these formats a lot. But, you know, I'll purposely take Tatis. I'll purposely take Acuna here and there. So, yeah, very similar to you. Um, I, when you get into the deeper stuff, like now me doing the draft and holds, which obviously you're familiar with, with draft champions, um, Post round 40, who cares at all? Like at that point, I I don't, you know, I mean, I'm looking at middle relievers and stuff like that or back of the Mm -hmm. rotation starters. There aren't any other ones. Like at some point there literally are no longer any starting pitchers. So I need to take somebody. So yeah, I don't care if I like 75% at that point. So like you said, it's just kind of up to the part of the draft you're in, how valuable the guys might be. But yeah, I like to stay under 50% for any given guy if I can. I've heard you briefly mention guys that you are really invested in this year. Who was, who are some of them that you, that you just have a lot of. 
So I'm the type of person that doesn't really like to bulge that. I like to keep that pretty close to the vest, honestly. Okay, um, I didn't know that. Okay, that's that's fair. I didn't. I, I, I wasn't sure. That's okay. I don't like to tell people not to ask questions on a podcast or anything. Though I'm a pretty pretty open book, but I um I will say this: some of the guys that are up towards the top, I don't want to call it like an error, but I think back at the beginning of the draft season. I, you know how like your valuations and stuff like that change throughout the off season. I mean, what, obviously what you're drafting in November versus right now is totally, not totally different, but somewhat different. And um, I think there was like, there was a few outfielders in there that now I think have settled in a little further back for me that at first I was just like jumping on every single time. Um, So yeah, I, I, again, I'm not overexposed to anybody, but you can guess it. I mean, it's just the same story every year. It's old, boring guys who nobody wants that had a bad year that was influenced by Babip, most likely. I mean, you, you could probably guess names if you tried, but, you know, um, like names I'm comfortable saying that everybody would say. Paul Goldschmidt, Anthony Rizzo. McCutcheon. I mean, McC- McCutcheon. Andrew McCutcheon, you can guess these guys. Yeah, right. it's just it's the same stuff every single year. Like, oh, I know we talked about Gene Segura the other day. I'm I'm right. relatively heavily invested in him with these draft and holes and stuff. It's like how how know, is everyone invested so heavily invested in Gene Segura? Like, it can't be everyone can't own him <laughs> because everyone no, I no. talk to like Derek Rhodes. Every time I I, I talk to him, it's just Segura. I'm in a draft with him right now, and he's he's he, he said he took Segura because he knew I was going to take him. Segura is one of my most, yeah. most heavily owned players. You. Um, I know Phil Dessault loves um, Zagira just from drafting with him and speaking with him, or I think probably yeah. just from seeing draft, just from seeing his drafts and being in, in leagues with him. Um, right. Rob, I think Rob DiPietro likes him too. Like everyone likes him. How do we all have so much ownership? Of him? I don't get it. Yeah, I know. I, I I will say this just to clarify. Mine's more so just in draft and holds, which is just like a portion of my overall portfolio. I don't have him in best ball a lot, but I think the thing about Zagira, which me and Derek have talked about, he's kind of that like, total end of a second based tier in uh especially fan tracks there's like a cliff kind of that um you know Segura will go anywhere from like round 14 to 19 I mean it really just depends on the draft and after that you're looking at like I mean these are acceptable guys you just don't want them to be your starter like Colton Wong Starlin Castro those are the name that after that so um, I think that's why Segura ends up, he's like that pivot guy. It's like, oh my God, if I don't get Gene Segura, who's my starting second baseman going to be? So that might be it. I don't know. Yeah, I guess he's a guy that you'll be taking over more talented or over more valuable players at other positions just because of the cliff, right? Yeah, I think it's, yeah. And that, which is actually why I don't even like it to ever come to that. Like I, um, I notice in fan tracks one thing, and it you know it's one of those things where there is no multi position eligibility in fan tracks. So um, the second baseman, like I actually like to, I like I like to cut it off at Mike Mustakis, who's usually the last of like the whole big first wave by maybe the one hundredth to one twentieth overall pick. I like to be in there somewhere. I end up with a lot of Brandon Lau every now and then. It varies. I I don't mind saying names there because it's it's totally it changes with every single draft. But uh, um, yeah, I just I I'm sure you're the same way. I don't like to be at a point where I'm stuck with like if I don't take this guy here, you know, you because you never feel good about that. You're either you feel like you're jumping him a couple of rounds, or the worst scenario, you kick the can down the road even further. And then it's like, oh my gosh, who am I starting at second base here? You know, so. I, I really hate being stuck in the middle infield. Would be at shortstop or second base. It just it doesn't make me feel comfortable. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. It dries up very quickly.
Right. So speaking of these uh, draft and holds, you're, you're, you're now into the draft and holds. You're out of the, you're out of the, you're out of the hundred percent best ball um, investment. Now you're investing into some draft and holds. I think you said, because you just needed to um, fill up more, more of your portfolio. Yeah. I needed to spend, but there wasn't enough best balls to go around basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not enough balls to juggle. Um, what, what's your, what's your prep? Um, how does your prep differ between, uh, from a, a best ball and a draft and hold? Take me through that. Like in terms of, do you use projections and how do you, how do you sort of come up with a list of players that you want to draft or how do you, how do you decide who you're drafting? I definitely work off of projections. And like I said, I'm nowhere near, um, you know, following them to a T I, I don't think anybody really does that anymore, but, uh, you know, so for best ball, it's obviously so much easier. Number one, it's easier for me because I do it more in all off season, but you know, you're only looking at one bottom line. You're only looking at points. So there's one output that this player is going to give you points. I'm not trying to compete in weighted categories or anything like that. So best ball is super easy. All you got to do is just kind of know, depending upon the format, you got to know on fan tracks that pitching is going to be insanely pushed up and not like in an NFBC way pushed up where like guys just are doing it. It's, it's because the scoring lends itself to that innings pitched are like a very big commodity in fan track. So, so that's kind of why that is, but yeah, for best ball, it's way easier. You're just kind of going down. You're looking at points, whatever um, the draft and hold. My preparation is a little bit more, I'm still working off of projections and things like that. Um, but it's the same thing that you hear all the good high stakes players talk about. And, you know, I'll cite Dave McDonald again. Um, it's, it's, uh, I want to make sure I'm getting those scarce commodities early. And I'm not talking scarce as in positions. Well, yeah, I am kind of. Um, I'm not, I don't care about power and outfield as much early, which I, I'm sure you may agree with too. I mean, it's like, um, I actually just in a draft today in which I took two starting pitchers first, um, which I, I will mix in and do here and there. Um, I started, my first hitter was Tim Anderson. And I'm, you know, I, I like do, and I passed on like Raphael Devers or something like that. Now I, I do like getting a third baseman early, but you know, you want to get those steals early because you know, they're not going to be there at the back end and you do not want to end up with the, you know, one trick pony. Miles uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Miles Straw. I was gonna say like Tapia, but at least he has some skill. <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's um, yeah, it's it's debatable to to varying degrees with those guys. You don't, we, I can't say for sure what I expect from um Tapia or Straw. I think it's very much, very much unknown in terms of from from my perspective. I don't like. I'm not sold on Tapia doing what he did last year. Like, yeah, me it. either. Um, yeah, if I'm taking him, something went slightly wrong. I mean, it's disastrous or anything, but if I'm taking him, I made a decision earlier on that I regret. I mean, that's that's that. a that's a good way that's a good way to summarize it. But um, yeah, no, I'm I'm with you on that. I like I'm just in TGFBI. I have two pitchers. I started two pitchers. I started Cole Woodruff and then um, Tim Anderson. So that's what I did there. Nice. So, I like that, that a lot. Yeah, that's that's um that's just like I but I, I'm with you on the scarce categories and what I like the things that in the first and this is this is gets into my next question. It's a good segue. What I'm what I'm looking at is what's scarce to me is starting pitching, like elite mm -hmm. starting pitching, um, right? Elite elite relievers, and I'm talking about like a, you can count on one hand, stolen bases, yes. stolen Maybe less than one hand. Yeah, yeah, some a couple fingers. Um, yeah. Stolen bases, 
batting average, shortstop, JT Real Muto. Yeah, that's a good list. That's 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 what I that's what I think is scarce. And what 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 do I what do I look at? I'm not really I'm not really looking at a catcher there. And sometimes I'll look at the elite relievers, but really I'm looking at I'm look I'm looking at shortstop, pitcher, stolen bases, and mm-hmm. batting average. They're those four things. What's what's your like? What's your like? If you have one or two builds, like in terms of not setting players, but your your team construction for the first five rounds, what do you what positions are you looking at, and what sort of categories are you looking to fill in those first five rounds? So you know, and this is a cop out a bit with the JTR thing, but you know, because of the injury right now, I'm pretty much just totally avoiding him. I mean, I don't even know what point I would take him at, and I understand like he just got the cast off and blah blah blah, but like um. Yeah, as far as him, I, I'm not really interested in, in anywhere very early on at the moment. Now, obviously, if things have, the thing is with him this year, there was never that like, you know, the community saying we don't care about catchers discount, where in years past you could get him an extra round later where, you know, the, the catcher pricing was a little bit different. Now he's almost going like, if you plug the two catcher thing into any value formula, JT Real Musto a lot, a lot of times ends up like a borderline first round pick. Well, now he like goes at the end of the whatever second round or beginning of the third round or whatever. So it's like, where, where is your, now it's too risky. Like that, that's just too risky. And here he is with a fractured thumb. So there you go. Um, but yeah, as far as the other stuff, yeah, I'm not looking to take an outfielder early. There's almost no scenario um, <clears throat> other than, and even this I wouldn't always do, but Juan Soto is, I think, so transcendent at this point and the fact that he's going to chip in a decent amount of steals. Um, we're, him, talking, we're, talking, we're, we're just to clarify, we're talking DCs, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm definitely okay. not talking about best ball. Yeah, I'm yeah. talking. Yeah, I'm talking. Yeah, like so am I. I just wanted to make sure that it, just clarify yeah. that. Yeah. So um, so there's a couple that I would go with. But but after that, yeah, I want position players early on that are going to provide speed. And like you said, no batting average sinkholes, which you're not really going to, you know, who I don't even I can't even think off the top of my head. But who in the first couple rounds is Louis, Louis Robert? Louis Robert? Are you like that somebody you avoid because of that? Totally. Yeah. There's no way for, for a bevy of reasons. I mean, he may be awesome and I hope he is. And I think he's a really cool player. And I read that he made some batting stance adjustments and, you know, kudos to him. I hope he's awesome, but yeah, he's not really going to be on many of my rosters just because, you know, he's young. Uh, There are scenarios I heard. some. I don't know what podcast it was, but a few weeks back that said, you know, it's within his range of outcomes. He could get sent to the minor leagues this year. And Ah, come on. I highly doubt it. I highly doubt it. But, you know, he could go into – okay, maybe not get sent to the minor leagues, but get yeah. benched because of a horrible slump or something like that, which could happen to a lot of people. But the thing is, he's not so good too. That's a good point too, yeah, yeah. I guess what I'm saying is he's not a definitely not a commodity that I want. And you're not getting any kind of – I mean, he better be good with where he's going. You know what I mean? Right. To be going anywhere near the department of like Marcelo Zuna – or his teammate Eloy, or you know Kyle Tucker. I, I don't even remotely understand that. But yeah. it's stolen bases, oh. like those those guys, Marcelo Zuna, um, Eloy. I, he's a guy I'm completely out on in in the third round. An outfielder that's not going to get me any stolen bases. So those two reasons: position, outfield, no stolen bases. And you can add a third reason to that: he's going in the third round, and Springer and Ozuna are going in the fourth round in these DCs generally. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. like. Eloy, I will have none of for the, for those three reasons. 
I don't blame you there either. I guess my thoughts is I just kind of been the the way that he's a. I feel that he's a little bit more of a polished hitter probably at this point. But really, it's all about like positional stuff. I, I'm looking for you know second, third, short. You know, I, w- I there's certain first baseman I would take up there, even though I like that kind of like older veteran thing later. But yeah, I want um, infielders that do it all basically early on. That that's basically what I'm all about. And, and like you said, starting pitchers early as well. I'm totally cool with that. Right. Yeah. I think um, if, if you're not going to steal, ba- if, if I'm taking a hitter and he's not going to steal me any bases in the first four rounds, he better be doing everything else really well and really, and he must be really, really trustworthy. Mm-hmm. Would you, how about, how do you feel about Ozuna? Cause that's a pretty good example I, of that. I got, I got a lot of the Ozuna early in the draft season. I was taking him in the third round just because I mm-hmm. thought he was just so good. Now I, I probably wouldn't just because of how the, the landscape has changed and, and the draft board has um, sort of evolved. Um, mm-hmm. so that's not the play anymore, but in the fourth round, I'm good with Ozuna. I like him. I got a, I got a, I got a healthy ownership of him, um, even yeah. though he's not going to yeah. steal any bases. Um, right. And that's, and, and that's, and that's, I'll, I, I likely have him in cases where I've hit stolen bases in probably round one and three and have a pitch. And yeah. I, I probably have one pitcher, and two other players that are stealing me bases. So then getting Ozuna makes a lot of sense in round four. Right. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, are there any players you're just completely fading in Roto, like in, in these DCs, like early on? I think we, may, we touched on it now a little bit, but are there any others that you're fading? Definitely. I, I, I've i said this the entire offseason. I think it's wild where you Darvish goes. Um, I have no idea why anybody – is so confident that what he's doing is going to continue. And I, it's just not the, um, the, the kind of profile for a pitcher that I want it, Sure. It's better that he went to the Padres, obviously, but you know, all the pitchers that many people want to avoid, I'm going to avoid. Um, definitely you Darvish, uh, yep. Blake Snell, Tyler Glass now, you know, um, no, no interest in any guys like that. If I'm going to take a starting pitcher early like that, I want a guy that there's seemingly no injury risk, that has very good command, that is in a good division and a good ballpark. I'm talking about Shane Bieber. I'm saying, you know, I'm saying <laughs> like that. That's the kind of stuff that you want early on. I mean, I just want one? like ultimate. It's no doubt about it. I mean, like I'm not going to say like it's not even close, but like the the this uh, albeit not huge the risk with a Kohler de Grom compared to Bieber I just don't think they're you know I don't I just don't think it's anywhere near each other you know um, now I do th- I, I will say I, I will say though the season that de Grom or Cole could potentially have may exceed anything Bieber could do I think that there's you know there's obviously ways in which those two guys could go off so crazily that it's like they were by far the number one overall player. I just, I don't think that's going to happen probably. So. Right. I, I, I will say that I'm, I'm totally with you on Darvish um, for, for his price. A you're not profiting most likely he's going so high. Yeah. B um, he had an extremely good year last year. You're, you're paying for his, you're paying for last year where he was in the central his home run to fly ball mm-hmm. ratio was just like ridiculous. And um and he's well, how old is he? And he's off of injuries. Um, he's, yeah, he's injury prone. That's all he's, it is. He's injury prone. Like, forget it. I, he's a guy that I'm yeah. just like. He's just like. He's a he's a he's a distant memory for me. Yeah, uh, hitter wise, I was just thinking about hitters because pitchers are pitchers are so easy to to call out. But okay. Cody Bellinger, Bellinger definitely no. Um, you know, I mean. 
he's like getting into game action now and like the shoulder issue. I, I, there's nothing anyone could tell me that would make me take Cody Bellinger. I mean, there's just, there's no reason to, and it's also back to the skills thing. Like I can get similar ish stuff. You know, there's no way I'm taking Cody Bellinger at that point. No way. He's a guy that I have zero ownership of as well. I have zero Darvish. Yeah. I have zero Bellinger. Fist bump, buddy. We got the we're we're yeah we're up to virtual there. fist bump. Yeah. Um. Now I just want to get I want to I want to uh, rewind just back a little bit to the Bieber comment and and I've talked about Degrom and a lot of people a lot of people swear that he's the he's their number one. Now why mm-hmm. is it because I I'm I'm with you on that I I've taken Bieber over Degrom several times. I, I like Bieber. Um. What what's it, what it is about what is it about Degrom that makes you a little bit concerned you know there are people out there i i I am not the guy to come to for like crazy analysis or anything like that it just comes down to people are going to criticize what i'm about to say i don't care um but you know i play in a high volume of leagues so this doesn't really matter as much to me you can make mistakes here and there and still have a great season so that doesn't really matter as much for me but with Degrom, you know there there are slight nagging injuries here and there. He dealt with a, a few back things last year, which is a potentially major problem. Eventually, um, you know he pitches in, I think, bar none, by far the best division in baseball. It's not close um, with some very good offenses in it. Um, I think he probably skill wise is the best pitcher in baseball. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about winning in fantasy and, you know, the circumstances where the guys play. I I want to make sure that I hit on my first round pick. And Shane Bieber, I think, is much safer than a guy like Jacob DeGrom. And I understand Mets Nation is going to come out and light me up. And that's perfectly fine. I don't, I'm not worried about that. But, um, yeah, I just uh, – there are just, to me, more inherent risks – if you're going to, you know, if I was betting between like Cole, those three guys, you know, which ones are going to be healthy this year? It Shane Bieber easily. I, I'm way more intrigued by. So, you know, I'm not going to give you baseball savant tables and stuff like that. I don't even understand half that stuff. And that's fine. Um, that's really not my game. You know, I th- th- there's a lot of really smart people out there. And I think of like Dave McDonald and Matt Williams and Rob DiPietro and yourself, even and there's all these people out there that, that, are you like you just cited a stat a minute ago that I, I couldn't have told you in a million years. I don't know anything about this stuff. So um, mine's more of like a broad taking a look at the place, understanding the position guys are in. And I'm not doing one main event. You know what I mean? I'm not doing like one super or something. I, I could do a, a, few, a couple of those entries. Why would I play in two leagues and pray that I, you know, get lucky <laughs> and uh, Seems you crazy, know, doesn't and, it? Yeah, yeah. To me, it is. I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not criticizing anybody that does that. And these players are phenomenal and stuff. I think if I had the bankroll that some of these people do, I would much prefer to get in like a couple of supers and dodge the main event because, you know, it's it's all within your league. You know, the league prizes are all right there. I think yeah. that's much more intriguing. But it, mu- it must you know, be the, no it must be somewhat, somewhat of the accolades that that are involved that make you do it. I know that for me, it is too. Like, why why do you why do you play the main? like it doesn't really make any sense like financially like mm-hmm. you crunch the numbers like why do you do it you're playing against the yeah. best competition the rake is there and mm-hmm. a lot and a lot of it you need to you need to get very fortunate to to get that roi making sense for you because eventually over in the long run you're gonna have to win you're gonna have to place in the overall maybe not win the overall but you have to place in the overall in the long run for for this to make any sense to even 
play. So when people say, right. oh, I'm going to, I'm just trying, I'm just trying to win my league in these DCs. Why are you playing them? I agree. Yeah. Why, why would you do, why would you, why would you be part of an overall? Because it's what for the $150 entry, I think they only pay out 60, 65% yep. to the league. 66.6% goes to the league. There you go. Yeah. Uh, it's number of the beast. Um, but yeah, then also the $400 yeah. ones, 400 or I think 75. That's right. And then a thousand, I think are about the same. So, which is, which is, is solid. And you know what? I don't even want to call it rake in this circumstance because it is an overall prize pool. The money is going. It's still in the pool. It's just that you're trying to win that whatever $30,000 overall. But I'm not going to win that. There's like 5,000 teams in this thing. You know, there's no way I'm going to win that. I'm not even going to try to win that. So, yeah, give me in just the um, the singular leagues where I'm getting 90 plus percent paid out. That's that's more what I'm interested in. I'm not worried about accolades. Right. Um so I, don't, I know you said you want to keep some stuff close to your vest. So you can tell me, um, tell me to fuck off with this question if you want to. But are there any? Uh, there, are I there won't any... tell you to fuck off. Uh, all right. Well, I won't, I won't be insulted. But are there, are there any um, <laughs> fi- uh, players going like post five hundred that you're really targeting? The players that you're like, you know, I know this probably probably is the same question as your ownership share question, essentially, if you think about it. But um, like, I guess any like really really players that really entice you post five hundred. I can just tell you like who I end up with because I'm only really drafting starting pitching at that point. I'm not even drafting hitters anymore at that point. I, I have all guys that are supposedly going to be everyday players. So I'm only looking at pitching. So to answer your question, it's just guys with jobs and starting rotations um, and whoever I can get. So I don't want to targeting wouldn't really be what it is. It's just um, generally I want guys who, are in like solid ballparks, solid divisions, have jobs. Um, I, I think of like a Chris Flexen. Um, a downside of him is, you know, they're looking at six men and, and that, that's fine. But, um, you know, even like an Alex Cobb, he scares me a bit because of the injury history. It could but be he's six in a man good too. Ball. It could be six man too, but he, you know, he, he should pitch. He's in a good ballpark, you know, um, yeah, guys like that. I, I want guys that are because you know as well as I do. Like at the end of these DCs, the starting pitching is is going to start going. So I just want as many starting pitchers as I can get, as many options to throw out there because there's going to be times where you know they have good matchups and it's a good time to to throw them. So um, trying to think of some other names that I'm really looking at that are kind like, of more um, Bolte. Um, he's, he scares me a bit, but you know, you're on the right. Yeah. The same yeah. page, like uh, Arietta, Arietta, Lester. Yeah. Arietta scares me a bit, but yeah. Steven Matz. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's everything's a balance. Scary. Yeah. Everything's scary out there. Fetty, Eric, Fetty, you're right. Joe, Ross, <laughs> it's all, it's a, it's a nightmare. It's, yeah. So, so you essentially. Mike fires. <laughs> yeah. It you is. essentially, um, do the splut approach you're just a, like a slut like you'll just take anything any like starting yeah basically a, yeah, S, yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. you're an sp slut you're a split it's a splut approach yes yeah if, if you are starting games i will uh invite you over at, at night <laughs> on a week on a weekend yeah absolutely i just want guys who are starting i am really trying to think of like a more appealing sounding name you know what i'll tell you what really intrigues me <laughs> make fun of me all you want this pirates rotation the division that they play in, um, I'm I'm frequently getting Stephen Brault, and I like JT Brubaker. I th- yeah, I think he's in. Now he's a little he he goes a little uh, higher up, but uh, 
Oh, oh, and they just added Tyler Anderson. I'm well aware that Tyler Anderson didn't have a job all offseason, got cut by the Giants for a reason, but like this is a good ballpark. And there's going to be times I try to think to myself, okay, this is Roto, and I'm setting a weekly lineup. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, there's going to be times where maybe Tyler Anderson has a two-start week, and it's the Pirates at home against the uh, say what you want about like the Cardinals or Cubs, but like those two teams twice or something. Yeah. Um, I there are scenarios where you get like two quality starts out of him right there. I mean, it very it could happen or five innings of two-run ball or with a non-disaster. And that's really all I'm looking for. So, yeah, I'm intrigued by a couple of those Pirates guys, to be honest. You'd rather rather take a shot there than like uh, on a Mish Keller, uh, like around pick 300? Or or are you, are you, are you you like, do you like Keller's price too? I I haven't, uh, I haven't gotten him at all. I'm not, the thing is, that's more so also because I'm not really looking at starting pitching there. I'm filling out like all kinds of bench bats. I like to, I start out with a couple great pitchers. Maybe I'll go Bauer, Nola. Maybe I'll go, depending on where I'm at, Luis Castillo and Woodruff, you know, whoever. Um, then I'll I'll kind of pluck in a couple of guys that I like the values of as I go. And then, like, after round 30, I'm just trying to load up on starting pitchers. So, right. um, that it's just kind of like what how I like to do it. I'm not really getting them there. That's all. Now, if so, if, if you do, if you're going all these starting pitchers, like between this, like at least around 40 to 50, maybe even, maybe even a little bit before then, if there are, and there, there may not be any hitters you like that are going that, you know, you can get in rounds 45 or whatever, say you like, um, so you like Brian O'Grady, he's a, on the, on the Padres, a guy that I like, so you, so you like him and you know that you can, are, are you, are you jumping him up just so you can like focus on your pitching there or, or will you or will you like sort of sprinkle in a hitter or two that you might like in those rounds or are you, are you very disciplined no i'm i'm super maniacally disciplined actually yeah i don't even i'm not even looking at hitters at that point like i would rather have um a name that comes up for me often that might be mixed into that territory well it's either going to be like my third catcher uh, that I that I might have to mix in there, or if I wanted to fill out first base depth, like G Man Toy or something like that, like that. Okay. That's really the only kind of names that I'm even the super disgustingly boring stuff. But yeah, that's really all that I'm looking at there, just trying to look for depth. Because there's there are times where like I I want a third or like a fourth first baseman, and I'm like, well, he should play over a hundred games and uh, you know, he'll be there. So that that's really the only kind of hitters I'm looking at around there, to be honest with you. I got you. I got you. So um, let's go and talk about um, just those rounds. Do you, do you tend to want to like hedge your bets and get the, as me and John, like is it say the monopoly board approach and grab like, um, three starters that are sort of like on the back end or, on fr- or, or fringe in a rotation or, or fringe for rotation spots, or do you, or do you not really consider that? You know, I think it's a good strategy. I, I don't do it too much just because I'm pounding starting pitchers so much that I'm, I'm getting guys that are pretty, that are already in, have the job. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm, I'm getting so many guys that are actually in rotations. Now, granted, some of them could obviously lose it and they're going to get hurt, but I'm drafting many. I actually go uh, 27 to 28 pitchers in these. I actually do the inverse of what I think a lot of most people maybe do, or maybe more, most people like split hitters and pitchers. 
Um, so I'm getting so many guys that have jobs. Like the Jordan Lyles is a good example of a guy who I may have that it's like uh, this guy, <laughs> I don't know how long he is for the rotation, but um, so I don't do that a lot. I'm getting so many guys that have jobs. Uh, maybe I should mix that in a little bit more. That's a, that's a good idea because there are times where I want to add one or two more starters and I'm looking at like, well, is Mike Leak going to sign anywhere? You know what I mean? I, I start to get down to to that point, which is definitely not good. Um, so, yeah, I haven't necessarily done it myself, but I definitely think that it's worth it. And that might be – honestly, it might be short-sighted on my part. Like, I could know that part of the player pool a little better. Like, know who may get into that rotation here or there. That's a lot, that's a lot of pitchers, and, and you and you, and you did – now, now it's making sense to me that you did say that it's your third catcher you might be targeting there. So, you, you're, are you looking to only roster three catchers in these DC formats? That's all I've done, yeah. And I start out with getting two good ones. Um, I try, like I said, I've gotten Rail Muto a couple times, but I'm more looking at um, honestly. I think my ideal scenario with catcher is like James, McC- like Christian Vasquez, James McCann, or something like that. Like nice. just a couple guys you know, that are, that are going to play, not really hurt me too much. Like why would James McCann not play after? Exactly. He's going to play a lot. Exactly. I don't know if he's going to be good, but he's going to, he's going to get that opportunity to play. (laughs) And, and and a catcher, what else could he ask for? I'm all right with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe maybe he'll, maybe he has some slumps hitting around the Mendoza line, but that's going to be, possibly a few catchers and and there's so many questions like you got you got jtr with his issue you've got yasmani grandal with like a knee sprain now uh which really sucks because i like him a lot you've got uh sean murphy with i don't know all kinds of different issues so um, i'm not drafting gary sanchez um you know so it becomes a dalton varsho who was such an intriguing option and and maybe still is i'm not gonna say that i'm just done with that um, it would be so encouraging to know that he's just like our starting whatever one of the outfielders, you know, that'd be so, so intriguing. And he may still be, um, I think people, maybe me included are maybe making a mistake by just kind of punting on that now. Um, but there, my point is there's a lot of questions, obviously, as you know, in that catcher pool. So it's a, it's a risky play. The, the Varsha play. Yeah. Just given, given, so given what we've given what we know now. And then and I, I just, um, I had a, I had a guy robbed from, uh, baseball radar pro the pro baseball mm-hmm. radar account on i talked to him yesterday i saw he, that yeah i didn't listen yet but I he's, saw he's, he made a really good point about varsho and, and um something i hadn't thought of um because i didn't like i like varsho but the thing is that that system has so many like good outfielders coming up they got alec thomas corbin carroll and they got christian robinson and they also not and that doesn't that doesn't even include the current outfielders that they have on their roster right so like really like mm-hmm. is varsho really in their long term like is that really a, a play for them him playing center field I think it would be more like right. can he slot into catcher? So that just that just poured a little bit more cold water on it for me. Just in terms, and of- it's a scary thing. It's a scary thing for Varsho too because Kelly, I think, is a relatively accomplished defensive catcher now, which um, is interesting. And you know, he can he can get stuff done. But I have I actually have a lot of him this year in some other leagues. But uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting proposition. You know, all of a sudden is Varsho like the guy without a where do you go? You know what I mean? Cause I think there's a lot of people in that D backs organization that don't want him to catch. So yeah, we'll see, man. It's definitely a risky proposition with him. I'd say. 
Right. So we've talked about DCs for a while and let's, uh, let's uh, shift gears a bit and put on our best ball hats. Now that's something that you're, that you're, that you have a lot more experience. You're, you're quite the veteran. Like I do consider you a shark in the best ball format. Um, One question right off the bat, I want to know, and this is a really interesting question for me. What are some common mistakes you see teams make when constructing a best ball team? The ones you say, Oh, that team is DOA. Not not in terms yeah. of not terms of not in terms of specific players, but in terms of roster construction. This is a very pretty easy one, and you do you do see this a lot. Now I'll have to I'll have to parse this out between fan tracks and the BB tens, but fan tracks I'll tell you right away. You need to get top starting pitching. So um, I don't know why people do this, um, and I, I'm talking specifically fan tracks here. People will go in and do that thing where it's just like I'm just going to go ten straight hitters. I don't understand the infatuation with these like wacky, maybe I'll call it 10 of a kind or, you know, somehow I'll call it a card game or something. I don't know. I've seen, I, I've I don't seen it happen. It does. It happens at fan tracks all the time. And yeah, dead in the water. Like, I, I don't know. Something miraculous would probably have to happen. I mean, you would literally draft two starting pitchers that end up like doing a, um, Corbin Burns. I don't even know who I, yeah, good example. Very good example. That all of a sudden are like two of the top pitchers in the league. All of a sudden, yeah, you need like Corbin Which, Burns and Zach Blesak times like two of the two of, two of each of them. Exactly, and it's you're not unless you're some savant. I don't think that's going to happen. So yeah, you need. Um, no, I'm not saying you don't need to go like eight days. Do not necessarily. You don't need to go if you have a pick at the end of the first round. You don't need to go Bauer Nola. Although <laughs> I certainly would condone it. That's a great start. You can do, say you're picking in the middle of the first round, you can go if Soto drops to you, which does happen in those because most people realize you need pitching. You can go Soto, um, Luis Castillo on the back end. Or if you pick early on, you can go Garrett Cole. And then uh, if Bryce Harper somehow comes the whole way back to you, th- there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying you have to go ace-ace every time. But I want... I think you'd probably agree. There's a tier of top starting pitchers that I feel Zach Gallen is the cutoff of for me. And I love Zach Gallen. Um, But from, for me, Shane Bieber down to Zach Gallen. After that, I'm getting into, there's still some very good pitchers coming up, but I feel like that's a a cutoff for me. Um, I want two guys from what I perceive to be a group of elite pitchers there. Uh, and if I, if you don't get that, I think there's ways you could win, but yeah, you're dead in the water. If you just go hitters out of the gate on fan tracks. Absolutely. Um, the BB, I was just going to follow up tens. The BB tens basically take everything I said and just do the opposite. Um, it's all about batters there. You're only starting four pitchers. It's a very weird, uh, format. It's, it's a, it's a small amount of starting positions. Um, you can get one ACE type guy but you need to go bats early and often in BB tens. I frequently will have in the first five rounds, I'll have one pitcher. I'll usually, uh, you know, I'll get that ACE type guy. Maybe it's Bieber, then Luis Castillo or Nola or something like that. Um, but yeah, you want to go bats. So for BB tens, it's the guys who are sitting here. I, I was in one the other day and I, I felt bad a little bit because I knew the guy obviously like didn't get the format very much, but he took a couple, I don't know who he even took. I didn't look, but he just, he in the little comment thing, he was like, ah, tasty pocket aces. And I was just like, man, I don't think that's the way to go here. Um, maybe you can make it work, but I don't think that's the way to go. So it's literally just like the inverse of fan tracks there. And outfielders. I think you need to really wait on outfielders in those BP 10s. 
Absolutely. I wouldn't say that you're like dead in the water necessarily. Like you, you, you could, if you feel like you got a good value and were able to go Soto and then like Bellinger at the end of the second round, I don't know, maybe that you could do that. But yeah, I'm really trying to get fill my infield out because you've got, yeah, I, I'm getting Starling Marte. I feel like where he shouldn't be going, and sometimes George Springer, Michael Conforto, Nick Castellanos. Like I, I, I more want to like start my outfield around that tier, and have just have a, have a bunch of them. Elite. Yeah, yeah, I'll have a bunch of them. But like then, otherwise, I'll have Freddie Freeman. You know, just it, around the diamond, just elite players you know right that that's more how i like to go about that yeah so you're saying that the, the teams that are just really really heavily invested in pitching earlier are just doa in those formats i would say so yeah i don't think there's a way and again it's a people doing how, the wacky stuff how heavy you know, like how heavy are we talking about like in terms of pitching like what's an example are you talking about like like if you went like if you went cole woodruff like are you like is that something that like in, with your first two picks are you saying like are you just dead there or you have to go more than that I, I wouldn't say you're dead. No, I wouldn't say you're dead. I think you'd have a lot of making up to do. I wouldn't advise it. I don't think there's anything wrong with doing one of those two things. Um, but no, I'm talking like kind of the, uh, if you decide to go, if you fill out your four pitcher spots in the first five or six rounds, I would say you're DOA probably. That's just way, way, way too. Th that's a point where you're probably not going to make up the balance of all this hitting that you left out. You're not going to be able to make it up because you're you're going to be starting – guys who should not be starting at all the infield positions so yeah right. um again it's it, it's always the wacky stuff it's the people that for some reason need to go like i'm gonna fill out all my i, I don't understand why people like to do that but yeah if you go too much one way or the other on either one of those i would say you're doa pretty much yeah right and it's similar um it's a similar. I know you're not. I know you're not in a lot of these drafts, but the the best ball formats in on the NFBC, the 46 round formats. If you look at the replacement value and, and just like shifting gears a little bit, the 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 weighting on points is so much in favor of um, hitters. And I think I think yeah. I, I think the score I think the scoring formats the same the um, as the BB tens. I believe it's just the the position. It is. It the, is. Yeah, it's just the positions that you have to fill out and the number of rounds it is are, are different. So the, the format's different. Now, just hitting is so much more valuable when you look at it in a vacuum. Say like in the, in the first round, like Soto is going to be like X amount of points more uh, over replacement value. And you look at Cole or, or Cole or Bieber and they're going to be, you're, you're, you're going to be like 150 points behind getting a pitcher there. But the thing is, yeah, you need, you, you need, to get a pitcher. So it's just a matter of like, um, I was actually talking to like Casey Chaw was actually nice enough to talk to me a little bit. And this is what we were, this is what I was, we were sort of, I was trying to bounce some, bounce some thoughts on, off of him, but he, he was, he was really nice and he was helpful, but he, he, he didn't, he didn't, we didn't get into a whole lot of detail. He did get into a little bit of a strategy, which I wouldn't divulge publicly, right. but uh, which, which, which I was fortunate to uh, receive. But my question for him and I still don't know the answer is like when do you go after pitching like and I, I the, the answer that I sort of am coming to now is like you, you need to go you need to get it somewhere and is it wrong to go like first round pitching in this in in, in those in these drafts I don't think it's wrong but I think like it, it's you're, you're gonna you better you better make sure that they're like a stud pitcher, like a stud stud Sherlock pitcher to get to, to take them in the first two rounds. Like you, I wouldn't just take a pitcher just because pitching is going to get scarce. It's not like that. And then it's just a matter of like, 
you just got, I think it's like pitching is almost secondary. So it's like, it's like they're, they're almost like treat them as interchangeable. And um, maybe that's the way to go. Maybe if you really like someone like us, maybe if you really, really think somebody's undervalued, you, you take them um, in that slot. But I think it's like, you look at like a, a glob of like 20 of them and say like, I'm going to make sure I get hitting. And then as soon as like that tier starting to fall off, you make sure you get into it. Right. I don't know. What are your thoughts? I think that's, from from what I have heard from the smartest people doing them, and I, you know, Casey Shaw, Phil Dusso, Derek, I, that seems to be the way to do it. Yeah, yeah, John L. as well. We've talked about it. I think it's similar to the BB tens. Obviously, the scoring is the same, but yeah, loading up on bats and then mixing in, you know, almost like a five to one type situation. Yeah, I, I think that's pretty much the way to go, just because of. You know, it's the way that the rosters are set up and the way that best ball is going to serve you. That's what it seems like. Um, again, that's why I decided not to to get into it this year. Wait, again, let those guys be the guinea pigs and see what it comes out as. But I think they're probably going to be right about that. So I'm personally super excited to get into that format next year and check it out. And, you know, that's the great thing about best ball, especially in baseball. You know, it's been in football for years now and it's grown in football but baseball, it's really starting to take off. And the nice thing is, you already mentioned like underdog now. We're going to have new formats every single year and just crazy new stuff every year. So I'm really looking forward to that. But yeah, I think you're right. I think that's going to be the way to go on those NFBC ones. Right on. Now, like, like I said, I was talking to, I, I, I was talking to people that, like, that, that play these best balls consistently and are much, much more experienced than, I ha- than I've been. I've played... I've entered three of them, right? Just because I bought a three pack. So, and, and it's my first year playing best ball. So I'm relatively inexperienced playing, playing the, playing this format. Now the, the question is, how do you construct your team? Um, in terms of how many of each position you're going to get, like, are you, are you targeting um, X amount of pitchers in, like in this 46 round draft? I, I know you don't play them, but maybe you can speculate. And in general, like the other discussion that, that I was having um, was in terms of multi-position eligibility, how valuable is it? So is getting like, is getting X number of multi-position eligible guys allowing you to get X, X many more pitchers on your roster? That seems to be the consensus. So anytime we're talking about the multi-eligibility stuff, the real advantage is getting more volume pitching. Yeah. Um, especially in the NFBC and the BB10s, which is really what we're talking about here. Um to answer your first question, I, I think what the data has kind of shown from these guys doing these so far has been, um, I think around like a 20, well, hold on a second here because they are 46 men rosters. Um, at the very least doubling your pitching. So like at least 18 pitchers, but probably going a little bit higher than that. I think into the low twenties or so. Um, and the tough thing with best ball, unlike those draft and holds, that pitching usually isn't there. Like I can draft starting pitching and draft and holds through like round 45 minimum. Usually um, there's usually a guy with a job, even maybe into round 46, 47, just depending on the draft with these best balls, they're not going to be there that late. So you got to like realize to come around and start focusing on pitching earlier than that. But yeah, I think with the 46 man rosters, I think they were probably looking at like a 26, 20 type scenario. And again, I'm really spitballing and going off of like the, the projections and kind of research that these aforementioned guys have done. We're not going to know. I don't think until after this season, but, or a couple seasons really, but um, 
Yeah. And, and then putting the, the, the interesting question that you brought up and I've tried to, you know, talk to a lot of really smart people about quantifying the multi-position eligibility thing. Todd Zola, I know has done a lot of work on it. Um, I talked to Phil Dusso about it as well. And a lot of people like to just put like some number on it, like uh, three bucks. You know what I mean? Um, right. I think, I think you do have to differentiate, you know, the Whit Merrifields from the Mike Moustakas's. Like, I think that, and all I mean is in terms of the eligibility those two guys have. Being able to put a guy across the diamond, and especially in those NFBC ones where you are having corner, middle, stuff like that. A guy like Moustakas, I, I think you have to put a couple more bucks on like that crossover. I think that's definitely valuable. Um what that dollar amount is or how you want to look at that. I don't know. I don't know that you can really answer that question, but I do think it is more valuable to be able to cross over like that. I'm just not, I haven't done the research. I'm not smart enough to actually tell you exactly what that should be, but you are right in the fact that the multi-position eligibility, the real thing about that, it's not so much that it's best ball and, Oh yeah, they can shift all over the roster. That's part of it, but it's also to open you up to more pitching. And the more volume of pitching you have, those two-star weeks pop up and stuff like that, that's the real advantage from getting a lot of those guys, I think. Right. So do you do you think that um, getting a multi-eligible player early on is less of an advantage as getting one later on? And what I mean is Muncy to, to um, a Chris Taylor, whereas... Or like how about Muncy and like Ryan McMahon? Perfect. Because I think they're the exact same thing. Okay, that's a, that's a better that's a better example. So just um, let's let's start from square one again. So you take you take um, you take um, Muncie and um, you you draft him you drafted him as a starter, right? And he can go in he'll fill in any one of those three positions. But really, he was he occupied a position from the get go anyway. So really, he's he's now he he can now go into two additional positions, whereas where a player is underperforming or gets injured. Whereas you have McMahon who say you didn't draft him as a starter. So you drafted him, you drafted him as a backup. He can now slot into three positions as a, in case of injury or, or, or poor performance. Yes. He's a, he's not as a skill. He's not as skilled of a player. So we think mm-hmm. right now, but he, but he still has that one extra, he still has an extra opportunity to, to go into a, to fill, to fill a hole. Right. So my question is um, independent of skill, do you think there's more value to be had drafting a multi-position player that's not like not as a starter? So for example, a DJ LeMay, you're not really gaining a lot of utility from his multi-eligibility, whereas you, you'd be gaining a lot more from someone that's not starting. It's another interesting one. And I can tell you that when I interviewed uh, the robot, Phil Dusso, he argued for getting them early because of the fact that what it does is really help you later on Um you aren't as you you aren't in that position to where you're saying to yourself okay i i need a third baseman here which we all know that feeling and it sucks to like you know well this is what i need and now i'm at evan longoria and michael franco or something like that um so to, to have the flexibility early on, as long as you don't perceive that you reached for it, which with a guy like LeMahieu, I would argue that you are because of where he's going a little bit. But um, as long as you took it to where you think the guy is pretty comparable to, you know, if you took like a Whit Merrifield um, over a man, I don't even, I don't know, somewhat similar outfielder or something in that spot. Um 
then it opens you up to being able to have flexibility later on, which in turn is a good thing because then you don't feel limited. So um, I think that that's probably the better way to do it if you're going to do it. I don't want to feel now I have had the other scenario that you've talked about where I'm like, okay, I really, I'm really light on first and third here or something like that. And I get like a Ryan McMahon and I feel kind of good about it, but some of those guys back there are really not good baseball players. I mean, you know, guys bump up Tommy Edmond, I think way more than they should. They bump up like David Fletcher way more than they should that these guys don't offer much. I mean, it's kind of empty batting average you know what i mean and sure okay they're gonna play which is good for best ball but um i don't know i guess i, I these are such high level questions that it's going to take like more analysis than i think we can do like right here right now but i do think of those two scenarios i would rather have that flexibility early on because it in turn allows me flexibility in my decision making later if you know what i mean right i think i think i think uh you'd probably agree that the answer is Yes, in terms of multi-position eligibility being more important in best ball than like a DC. Yeah, yeah, I I think that it is. Um, The thing is, you also have to know the mechanics of like the the uh, the 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 format that you're playing because BB tens. I feel like the benches are deep enough that I'm really not jumping multi-position guys that much. That makes Um, sense. Where I think the edge is right now there, and I'm comfortable saying it because I'm really winding down on doing them at this point. And, um, you know, I, and frankly, my ownership of this guy is getting too high. But you and I talked about on my podcast about um, guys that are going to be gaining eligibility that we already know right now, barring some disastrous injury to somebody before the season starts. You know, people I don't think are realizing Jorge Polanco is going to be a second baseman. He's a nice guy to like pivot to later. I know he's not like the sexy name, but like, you know, there are times like we were talking about where you need that second base depth, like you really do later on. And knowing that he plays it and seeming like other people, I feel like it right now in those rooms, if it said second base, comma, shortstop by his name, his ADP would jump two, three rounds. Simeon. Because I don't I don't think people are realizing it. And maybe even Marcus Simeon, too. I know he's obviously in a great spot, but you know, same thing there. He's playing second base. So I, I don't think that, uh, and we talked about Hunter Dozier getting third base, which I think is valuable too. So um, that's, I think the big edges right now on some of those, and people are just not thinking of that yet. I think it's also that um, in best ball, you don't have to make the decision for yourself. So it's, it's basically the computer yeah. optimizing the position. So obviously um, having the multi-position um, eligibility in a roto league, like in these draft champions leagues, you're actually you're actually making the decision. So like in, in, a, in, a, in a lot of instances, you're now choosing where to put them and making a, making a line of decision for yourself and that you could actually be making suboptimal decisions. So exactly. in, a, in a best ball, it's just so much more valuable because you know that um, having that eligibility will always result in the optimal decision. Whereas there's, there's, there's a human yeah. element in the uh, draft champions leagues. Um, That's so frankly make- the kind of thing that, well, I was just gonna say that's really what draw, drew me to best ball to begin with in the first place. That I'm not gonna, I don't have to screw up management. You know. Yeah, I remember that's one of the first things I heard you say on your podcast is that you just um yeah that, that's that 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 exact that exact comment. Now in in a in a best ball in in the BB10 or I know that you you haven't dabbled that much into these um these 46 round um $150 best balls that NFBC is hosting, but would you say that like getting 
one, two, three, I don't know the, the number of these multi-eligible guys is sort of like a prerequisite, sort of like a category in Roto. So your category in these best balls, you need a couple of them just to, in order to like get, get more pitching. Do, do you, do you feel that way? Um, no, I don't look at it like a category or anything. I, I, I don't, the thing is with like, <clears throat> and I am really talking about the BB tens here because there, there's let the me, ones let me just I clarify, do. just like a sort I of feel like a, that not the, a category, like a prereq prerequisite, like to come. No, up, I kind of knew what you meant. No, okay, I, I, sorry. I didn't know if you know. I, I didn't know if I was clear. I, no, no, no. I understand. Like, I, I don't think it's necessary. I, I really don't think it's super necessary. Um, I could end up being wrong in there, but I, I have a season behind me on BB tens last year where I, I did really well and had a, a very good ROI. So, and I'm not pounding my chest. I'm just, what I did, ha did work. Um, no, it was a short season. So, but um, no, I don't think it's a hundred percent necessary. I think it's a nice little advantage. And obviously if you're only within a couple bucks, you know, dipping down to take a multi eligible guy, that's something you should do. Um, but I am, yeah, I don't place any kind of crazy bump on it. My, like I said, my edges that I have found is these guys that are going to be gaining it that people are not accounting for. So um, that's really where I'm at. But I'm telling you, you go in these draft rooms and you see like the ADP and the BB10s of like Mauricio Dubon or Tommy Edmond or, you know, maybe even Jeff McNeil, who I love when I'm getting him where I am in draft and holds. But, uh, you know, I think that because you need your offense to be so good in these BB10s, when you're getting a Jeff McNeil instead of like a Starling Marte, man, it's a lot of points to be leaving on the table. And people are making that decision every single day. Um, you know, I'm okay getting Aussie Albies earlier than that to fill second base and Raphael Devers and stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm not really worried about it as much. I, I don't think it – I do not think it's a prerequisite. I think it's a nice bonus, and I certainly want a couple, but I'm not making any huge strides to get them or anything like that. Gotcha, I gotcha. Um, all right. Um, shifting over to the best ball, just in general, um, talk about estimating the depth of each position. Like I'm, I'm assuming you calculate replacement value. How do you estimate, um, how many of each position will be, will end up getting drafted because some drafters obviously make suboptimal decisions or at least decisions that you would not make yourself. So how do you, how do you go about, um, um, determining that cutoff for the replacement value and, do you use um, replacement value versus that that cutoff of like undrafted players, or do you constantly use um, replacement value um, tier by tier? So, do you, are you looking at like the absolute replacement value based on like waiver wire, or are you also looking at the relative replacement value to, um, versus that next tier of players in that position, and then also comparing that to other positions? For the simplicity of like rankings, I just have like absolute. Um replacement value like who's at the end of the draft who all is going to be drafted but then i also do have replacement value and this is the more important one i think for the end of the quote-unquote starters so the guys who i'm technically drafting as a starter even though they're going to you know revolve in and out you know week to week obviously um yeah, that's really what I'm looking at replacement wise. But then another thing you have to take into account, and this is something I ask guests on my show too, is like I said to you earlier, I'm not drafting Gary Sanchez. So you have to make other adjustments then too of like, um, okay, well, here's my here's my catcher replacement. But keep in mind, 
this guy that all these people are going to draft, I'm not going to, or I'm, I'm not looking at a guy at this position. So that can make, you know, whatever position you're like looking at more or less scarce compared to what other people might be valuing it at. So yeah, there's a lot of angles to that. Um, I, but to, for simplicity's sake, I like to just have all the players in the player pool and my, the replacement value according to like a standard auction calculator without my stuff added in just just because i need to know like what the market's kind of going to be doing that makes sense that's a, that's a good point and i never thought about that that's a good that's a good point to, to bring up so i got one question for yeah. you i'm gonna put you on the spot is that okay let's hear it yeah yeah absolutely dylan moore has second base and outfield eligibility in nfbc why is he a shortstop in fan tracks I honestly have no idea. I have no clue. I, I, I think it's weird every time I see it. Um, I don't know. I couldn't tell you on Dylan Moore's fan page, like what position he played the most last year. I assume. I think he was second, second in outfield, probably. I have absolutely no idea why. Um, and, and little, there's a couple players every year in fan tracks that that happens to um, where it's like, why is he what? You know what I mean? Like he's not that hmm. anywhere else. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. I, I don't know. I know, like, I think a few years ago, like, Will Myers was only a third baseman, and it, it was very odd, um, you know. Um, I can't answer that one. I wish I could. Um, we'll is there anyone else like that this year? Somebody at fan tracks. Is there anyone else like that this year? He's the one that comes to, uh, comes I don't to mind. No. I don't think so. I, I'm trying to think of anything else that's real because I play both formats, so I would know. But yeah, I know Dylan Moore. Um, obviously, the other weird thing, and this is just because Fantrax makes everybody have a, a position in best ball, but like JD Martinez is an outfielder. Mm-hmm. You know, Jordan Alvarez is an outfielder. Those are kind of more obvious, but um, like Dar- Dalton Varsho is an outfielder only, which renders him totally useless in that format. But yeah. Um, I can't think of any other one-offs like that, but yeah, you're totally right on the Dylan Moore one. It's very odd every time I see that for sure. Yeah. So um, that would, that would make certain players more valuable. Like there, there, there are players that are more valuable in fan tracks versus, versus the NFBC just because of the settings, but that would make players like Nelson Cruz and Jordan Alvarez. And like you said, JD Martinez more valuable mm-hmm. in, in fan tracks. Um, Jordan might be, Jordan probably would have been more valuable anyways because of his skill set, but just having that outfield eligibility now probably makes him quite, uh, quite a bit more valuable in these fan tracks leagues. Where is he going? Because he, he's about like, a, he goes anywhere between pick 80 and 90 in these DCs. So he probably, I'd, I'd imagine he goes earlier. He does go earlier. Yeah. I, I think usually somewhere in the sixties, that's the intriguing thing. Um, and a good point that Derek and I bring up frequently is, Fan tracks, the ADP that you see in the draft rooms is not the ADP for whatever you're drafting in. It is the amalgam of like every league that's offered on fan tracks. Mm-hmm. So it is not reliable. I would not use that when you're actually in there, but we kind of make our own personal ADP from the drafts that we're in. So yeah, he, he's in the sixties, I think is usually where he's headed. So. Right. Yeah. You, you must have like all the dynasty drafts getting, getting mixed in. So you have guys like Wander Franco oh, being man, way higher. Right. Yeah, you have Wander Franco. You're probably right about that. Yeah. 
a lot of, a lot of I didn't even draft, think about that. A lot, of, a lot of people draft their dynasty leagues in fan track. So I think like they're just from, just from playing, I've played a, a couple of those best balls so far, maybe eight or 10 of them. And I'm just looking at the ADP and I'm noticing that, yeah, the dynasty rankings are definitely uh, factoring in. So they're pushing up all these young players um, high on the ADP and the, the fan tracks draft rooms for sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely something to be conscious of. You do not want to go by that ADP for sure. So no, and uh, so before 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 we end off, is there anyone else that we can, that you can think of that just has a huge disparity in terms of their value um, between those two formats? Um, as far as a huge disparity, um, I don't know if I call it huge, but uh, yeah, like a like a Joey Votto. You know, some of your guys who, and that's the thing with fan tracks is, you know, it is imagine that you're in an OBP league basically because they are war. They do not negate points for bats, and you get points for walks. So like the Joey Votto's, the Carlos Santana's, um, a Max Muncy becomes uh, well. I shouldn't say that because his multi position gets him pushed up in the NFBC. That's the funny thing. Like the Muncy's and the Bgios of the world get pushed up in the NFBC, but because of their player eligibility, position eligibility, and fan tracks, they're pushed up because of their plate skills. Right. Um, so that is an intriguing thing. Um, but yeah, I'm intrigued by. Uh, like, like I've talked about Anthony Rizzo and Paul Goldschmidt a couple times, guys like that who have like good, pretty good plate discipline and can walk and stuff. They seem to get pushed up um, a little bit in fan tracks. I would say Biggio himself um, should be pushed up more in fan tracks. And, and lately I've been getting him a lot because people are not taking that into account. I think um, why I don't know. That's something he's, I've he's noticed. Falling, he's falling in NFBC as well. I've noticed lately just because I think because of the uncertainty of the batting order. I think I think that's probably it. And the Blue Jays have so much, but uh, um, that's something like talking about like where guys are going recently. The competition is infinitely softer right now than it was early on in draft season, which I guess makes total sense. But like the ten dollar drafts I was doing in November, way harder than fifty dollar ones on Fantrax right now. It's incredible. Not only that, but like the you can tell too by like just the language that people are using in those. And I'm not like a prude. I don't mean it like that. But like the chat rooms, there's guys in there like bitching about like pick times and flipping out at each other and dropping f bombs. And I'm like, dude, this is like some uh, I haven't experienced this stuff for a long time. You know what I mean? So that's what's going on there right now. <laughs> maybe maybe I'll, maybe I'll jump in. I'm gonna jump into a couple more fan tracks drafts. I should um, I should really get into some draft and holds and some. Uh, some best ball in fan tracks just because um, it's a little bit of a, a little bit of a softer competition I find than the NFBC. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's true. Right. I'm telling you right now, people don't know what the settings are and it's very evident. Like in these fan tracks rooms right now, um, again, earlier in the off season is a different story. I wouldn't recommend that necessarily if you're looking to just get soft competition, but yeah, in fan tracks right now, they don't know what's going on. I'm seeing guys go. Um, I, I just saw a, I don't know if I'm missing something, but I saw Jake Diekman go at all, which I, I don't know why he would <laughs> unless I'm missing something. But uh, yeah, it was like the 30th round. And not only that, but to mention the closers really aren't even that as valuable in a fan tracks versus a BB 10. So yeah, there, there's all kinds of stuff like that going on right now. If you would like to get in, but make sure, you know, and not just you, I mean, for anybody, like make sure that you yourself know that scoring really well. Um, and then, yeah, get in there and attack it. I would recommend it. Right on. All right, that's all I have. Anything it's a good you want time, to add? man? Anything you want to add? Any, uh no, just um, you anything, know, yeah, you can find anything that can't go unsaid. 
Uh, no, I, I don't think so. I was going to say, you can just find the podcast on Twitter at fantasy best B a L the number one. I am at Brian J Seymour. Um, I mentioned it the last couple of days on Twitter. We're going to have some changes to the podcast coming up that are all positive and not major. Um, there's going to be a title change coming. Um, but the content is going to be pretty similar. And the best thing, the happiest thing I'm happy to say is it's going to be baseball 100% year round. My initial plan oh, with yeah. the podcast, I know. Yeah. I, my initial plan was going to be, I was going to do 50% football for just best ball. Um, I, I just have no desire to get into football anymore. I don't want to learn that player pool the way that I feel. I know the baseball player pool right now. So that's a positive thing for me, man. Baseball is the superior sport. We're going to be talking about it year round. And um, we're really taking an investment approach and talking about like different ways that you can invest, whether it be fantasy betting, um, lots of ways to make money and invest. And, you know, we're all about like the ROI and stuff on my podcast. So that's what we're going to be talking about. And those changes will be coming soon. I think they're all very positive and we'll like them. So looking forward to that. That is good news to me. That's great to hear. And I look forward to, um, I look forward to listening. So Brian, again, I appreciate it, man. Give Brian a follow and make sure you listen to his podcast because it is one of the best out there. So thanks again, uh, my friend, and I will talk to you later. Thanks to you. And hey, congrats to you again. You know, you've, again, you've been doing a lot of great things in the, the Rotoballer edition. I'm digging the, uh, the logo and everything like that. So you've been doing a great job and giving people, a lot of people, a very good platform. So kudos to you as well, Zach. Thanks very much.
Just a streamer, I stream my fab away. Oh, yeah, I'm just a streamer who's getting TJ today. I'm just a streamer. 